Welcome to Hearsay on the Air, episode 97. We love to make great products that really enrich people. Google's mission is to organize the is about this H-Wave. You've got to have an incredible day on Wall Street. The more difficult inventions Around the clock, America's deep mind. Coming to you from our world headquarters in San Francisco, welcome to Hearsay on the Air. I'm your host, Victor Gaxiola. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Brittany. Happy New Year. So joining me today from our marketing team is Brittany Hadeen, and we work very closely together. And so I wanted to bring you in for this very special episode, kicking off the new year of 2017. Uh, just because there's so much optimism and excitement looking towards the New Year's. And you actually came up with a great piece that was really the content of our podcast today, which is looking at 12 digital marketing trends for 2017. And we're going to go around and ask our team a little bit more about it. But before we get into all that, why don't we uh, introduce you? So who is Brittany Hadeen? <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. But uh, I basically work between customer success and marketing to kind of track the trends for social and email and texting and compliance and the financial services world to see how people are being successful with their business and compliant, and also to kind of look ahead to see what's coming and how people can be prepared. Mm -hmm. And so like me, in other words, we're very similar in in the standpoint that we're both kind of in the marketing team, but we kind of bridge these other areas of customer success, sales, I mean, to a certain extent, a little bit of product, a little bit of everything, right? So a little bit of a mutt, I guess. I hear saying mutt. I'd say that's what I am. I think, though, we have the best side of it because usually we're talking to the happiest of customers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it works out for us. I prefer that. (laughs) Right. So um, we are in the new year. You know, obviously, like I said at the beginning, a lot of optimism and excitement. And so this being the first show of the year after a very interesting 2016 Uh, You actually shared in a weekly digest that uh, you distribute amongst the team a couple of different ideas. And you do this all the time. I think it's great. Um, And one of the areas that you were looking at were these trends, um, the 12 digital marketing trends of 2017. So I thought we'd take some time to go over the 12 trends, talk about them. And then, like I said, because this happens to be our company kickoff and sales kickoff week, which means the entire company comes together here in San Francisco, we're going to move around with this digital recorder and ask our team members across the various departments from different parts all over the country what they think are going to be some of the digital trends we're going to see in the next year. Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited to hear a lot from the international folks as well because I do a lot of trend tracking and um, it's hard to tell whether it's it holds globally or if it's stronger in the U.S. Mm-hmm. or not, so... Yeah. So why don't you get us started? So what is your number one? And it's not in any order of priority, right? It's just like we're going to list the 12. Okay. So why don't we go uh, start us off with number one? 
Yeah, the increasing dominance of video ads, something that has been popping up a lot is YouTube and Facebook have really crushed this market. And you see that, you know, in your news feed all the time or when you go to click a YouTube video, their video ads are on point. But um, Google's now entered the fray with their own video advertising sort mm -hmm. of code. So Yeah, and it was a couple of years ago I remember saying that the amount of content that's going to be digested through video was going to increase. And I think that here we're very specifically talking about video ads. Um, does this also include, like, if I'm in my Facebook feed and I'm kind of scrolling, that things will just automatically play just by having kind of the mouse hover I think, above it? I think that's the way it's going because really everyone is really trying to get ROI. And I think Facebook is really ahead of the curve with trying to get the analytics on their ads. So I think that they'll be one of the first for sure that will, I think in my feed, actually, they do automatically play. So mm -hmm. I think it's already happening maybe with the select audience. Um, and I definitely think we'll see more of that. Yeah, and I'm seeing a lot more, especially on YouTube. You know, yeah. from the standpoint that you, if you go to YouTube, you're almost getting to that point where I actually start proactively moving the mouse to that bottom right-hand corner to skip the ad yeah. because I know it, there's going to be an ad. Yeah. And there's been a couple of times where I'm just like, okay, it's only going to be 20 seconds long or 30 seconds long. I'll just sit through this thing and then get to my video. So, yeah. you know, so I, I think we're getting kind of getting used to that. And just overall, I think ads playing everywhere – We've gotten kind of used to it. It was, it was interesting. Um, over the, the holiday, during the, uh, the New Year's time period, I went to a movie theater in Mississippi because my son and I, we went to Mississippi and we went to New Orleans. And so we went to see Rogue One again because he <laughs> wanted to see it again. And we went into this movie theater in Vicksburg, Mississippi. And what was shocking to me was the fact that we sat down before the movie got started and there was no ads on the screen. Oh, wow. Like, we had gotten conditioned yeah. to see ads on the screen before the actual movie gets started, or even before the previews get started. And then what was really interesting is that we were watching, there was nothing, the curtain opens, and the movie got started. Like, there wasn't even trailers before. That is crazy. And it was this thing, like, we both took notice. Now, he's 11 years old. I noticed. But was in, what was interesting is he noticed. Yeah. In the standpoint, there was no trivia questions, no local ads. And he was like, well, what's going on? And I said, well, it's different, I suppose. You know, it's going to be different yeah. in different places. That's really interesting. Yeah. It's crazy, too, because I used to work in radio. And I remember as things started to go more digital, I worked on the advertising side. And we were thinking, you know, oh, this won't last long because people can just skip through the ads or buy premium. But I think we're going to start to see long staying ads now where now that it's moving so far in that direction you can't just skip through you'll have to watch at least five seconds mm -hmm. or whatever it is before you can actually skip to the next which is i think something that will continue to grow and really help advertisers out yeah and it puts a lot of pressure on marketers from the standpoint that if you are only going to get four to five seconds of people's attention even to just let's say see the remaining 15 or 20 seconds and you really got to capture their imagination pretty quickly yeah all right yeah all right, so that's number one. So number two. Yeah, more live video, which actually I think one of the first live videos I ever saw was yours You're, when you and your wife were in Red Rock Canyon and oh, you guys yeah. were at the top of that hike and mm -hmm. I was planning a trip with my boyfriend out there. So it definitely helped me kind of plan my trip mm -hmm. and it's pretty cool. I think we'll see a lot of sponsorships through live video and um, endorsers, social influencers, people like that being paid by brands to go live and share products. Yeah, there is something to be said about the live stream, the in-the-moment kind of real-time marketing that these uh, different networks are making available. So a lot of us were familiar with Meerkat and then Periscope. Now, Facebook in the last year has gotten very, very aggressive in their campaigning for live video, and I think it's a good thing. 
Um, but the thing is that I remember when I first caught my attention, you know, you have to get hit over the head a couple of times before you actually start paying attention. And it was in New York City, just outside of Madison Square Garden. There was a huge building. And on the side of the building, they had basically painted, uh, painted up there these steps to take in order for you to create a live video from your Facebook profile. Oh, wow. You know, it was like step one, do this, step two, step three. And... And it was interesting because I saw that and I'd been seeing it a while for a while that later that evening I was in Times Square and I don't, it's been a long time since I've been to Times Square. I tend to avoid it when I'm in New York, Yeah. but I, I thought, eh, why don't I go there? And I, and I was sitting there like right in the middle of it all. I said, I'm going to do my first Facebook live video. And so I went ahead and clicked live video from my profile, you know, live from Times Square and it was my first experience doing this. And all I'm doing is just kind of circling around, showing people the different signs and such. And then all of a sudden, um, a couple of my friends started popping up, people that I'm connected to on my Facebook page. And uh, one of them used to live in New York. And so he was kind of going to say, hey, you're not too far from where I used to live. And so I was talking through you know, the microphone on my phone and we're almost having a dialogue. And he was typing on the comment section. And then after that, you're able to save the video to your profile. And oh. so I did that. And, uh, so many more people actually watched the video after the fact. So not necessarily live, but then after the fact, and I thought that's a very, very powerful medium. Now where things have changed, and this is amazing is just within the last couple of weeks, Facebook started announcing that they're going to make live available four pages for page owners. So now businesses that have a page oh, wow. can broadcast live and in a, and not only can they broadcast live, they can actually do it from their desktop or their laptop. So they can hook up an external camera, an external microphone, and be able to broadcast a live stream. Wow. This is huge for companies huge. because it's going to make it available for them to have that real-time communications with their customers or the people that are connected to their Facebook page and do this on a live setting and have that ability for that dialogue. So... Uh, I tested it out on our Facebook page for Hearsay on the Air to basically promote and ask people for their submissions of what they think are the digital trends for 2017. I think this one's going to be huge for this year. Huge. And we at Hearsay are planning on using it uh, both on our Hearsay page uh, for Hearsay Systems as well as the Hearsay on the Air. So I really want to, I mean, we talked about there's 12, there's still another 10 digital trends to go over. This one to me is my vote going to be the number one trend we're going to start seeing and Facebook is really getting behind it. I mean, they did their first television ad I think I've ever seen from Facebook. Yeah. Uh, and they were promoting this product. Yeah, I agree, too. I think people really want to connect with their brands now, too. And this really gives them a human side that people can feel like they're having some sort of communication with their brands. Mm-hmm. And brands can, you know, learn from their customers, which is what I think any brand would want. Yeah, and I think it's going to provide a lot of brands the opportunity to do a little bit behind the scenes. You know, exactly. Like, take a look at... Yeah. how we create this or where we work or, yeah. you know, I love factory tours. So, you know, I see a lot of opportunity for people who manufacture products. Hey, give us a glimpse, you know, behind the scenes of how you create these products and, yeah. you know, what is, what is your work environment like? So I think it could help with recruiting. There's all kinds of things I it's think huge. that this live stream could really help people out with. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So number three. This is another pretty obvious one, but mobile will completely dominate desktop, and I think we've been seeing that for a long time, and we'll continue to see that. I still love my desktop, but at the end of the day, I do everything now that I could do on a desktop on my phone, and Mm -hmm. I'm comfortable with it. So I think once people pass that threshold of fully being comfortable 
making purchases, everything on their mobile and using apps, then I think the desktop will, you know, start to disappear even more. I think, I think you're absolutely right from this. You know, mobile has definitely, um, com- has, has taken on a much larger share of our time online, uh, in the last couple of years. And I think it was in 2015 where mobile search surpassed desktop search when it comes to going to Google. And I think what it really comes down to is when is it that we're using either our mobile device versus our desktop? I mean, we say desktop or laptop. Typically, it's in an office environment, you know, where you've got a good Wi-Fi connection. And that amount of time that you're spending on that is becoming less and less than the time that you're spending either going from point A to point B. So when I think about when I'm using my mobile device, it's usually in the fringes. It's during the commute. It's when you're waiting in line, right? It's, it's when you're in motion, yeah. Right. Absolutely. And because when I'm in the office, I'm not using my cell phone because I'm, right. you know, I'm yeah. on the laptop. So how much time am I actually sitting at my desk in a day to day? And most of that focus tends to be on business as opposed to when you're on your cell phone. For the most part, it's a little bit of mix of both business and pleasure. And so, you know, I think that slowly you get more used to using mobile for the things that you used to do with your desktop. Right. Yeah. Um, in my particular case, and I'm not sure if the, it's the case with you, I have finally really gotten comfortable depositing checks into my bank by taking a photo of it. Ah. Like, it took me a while to get used to that. Yeah. Right? I don't know about you. or Is there I, anything you use your mobile for now that you never thought you would? Oh, yeah. Everything. <laughs> I mean, from crazy, the Starbucks app. I would say that that is something I never thought. You know, you'd hear about Google Pay and stuff like that, and I just didn't think that I was technologically savvy enough for that. I mean, I'm, I'm young and feel comfortable with tech, but I was just kind of like, no way will I ever pay for anything with my phone. Mm -hmm. And now I'm just busting out apps left (laughs) and right, like ching, ching, you know? So I don't know. It's a, it's a crazy world out there. So you never know. I came to that realization once when I was, uh, went out for a, a run and I don't run very often. And, um, but I listen to music when I run. And so I've got, I had my, um, my phone with me, uh, and my smartphone, and I'm listening to music and stuff like that. And then I, and then I was like, oh, I could really go for like a coffee. And then I, oh, but I didn't bring my wallet. And then I remembered I had the Starbucks app. Yeah. And I was like, oh my, this can serve as a wallet. Game too. changer. You know, I was like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like my head, you know, was, you know, it's blowing. And I was just crazy. And I went over and I got a coffee and stuff. And I felt, you know, wow, like I'm in the 21st century. Like yeah. Some sort and of- they gamify it. So not only <laughs> do you not need your wallet, you can pay. And then they're like, if you spend this much money, we'll give you something free. It's kind of crazy. So mobile will de- will completely dominate desktop. I agree. Yeah. And that leads actually perfectly into the next one, which mm-hmm. is dedicated apps finding their way. That's, you know, a great example. The Starbucks app has really made it convenient to just be you know, everything you need to have the full experience there. So I think um, apps that are specified will really start becoming more used. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. When talking about dedicated apps, it how brands have started to embrace the use of, of apps and how that actually may influence a buying decision. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is we can all talk about Starbucks, and I think people will recognize that with Starbucks you can have stored value yeah. Right. You buy basically a gift card, you put value associated to your app. And then so when you go pay, all you have to do is kind of flash your phone. They have like a reader. I don't know if it's an infrared or it's the kind of stuff that reads like a UPC symbol. Right. Yeah. And and then it automatically deducts from your stored account. Yeah. Um, in, in my neighborhood, there is this uh, burger place called Muya. Oh, yeah. Have you have you been to one? I have, but I went to the one in Concord, I want to say. Oh, okay. The, Creek, yeah. There's not that many of them around yeah. here. I think they're originally from Texas, but it's a delicious burger if you've never had Muya. Yeah. And 
they don't have necessarily like a Starbucks app where you can pay for the burger with your app. But what they do have is a loyalty program that's tied to their app such that for every hundred points or every hundred dollars you spend at Muya, they give you a $10 certificate. So $10 off. And so the way it works is you get the app on your phone, you go to Muya, you buy your burger, and then they give you a receipt. And then from the receipt, you scan the receipt oh. with your app, and then you have kind of like a, it, it looks almost like a temperature yeah. dial, and it shows you how close you are to reaching those 100 points. Next, yeah. And so once you meet meet and exceed that threshold, it advises you, hey, you have $10 off your next purchase. And so the next time you go, they'll scan the phone, and you get $10 off your bill. But then they also offer incentives, talking about gamification, where if you invite friends to, you know, get the app or to visit Amuya, they'll give you points yeah. for it. So it's basically leading to get burgers. And so, you know, given the number of choices you have of places to get a burger these days, that actually does influence my decision. It's a huge incentive. Yeah. It's so saying, smart. I'm getting something yeah. by actually being a customer through a loyalty program. And loyalty yeah. programs aren't new. But I just love the way they're using it, and it is driving more traffic. Absolutely. And it's more traffic, foot traffic, in the the case that I'm going in to get a delicious burger, but then I'm encouraging my friends to go to movie as well. And talking about it, which is just free advertising for them, Which is what I just did, right? Yeah, (laughs) I know. We are not sponsored (laughs) by So if Muya is listening... I think I deserve at least one of your Muya burgers. Yeah, me too, because now I'm a referral. Exactly. exactly. Um, but yeah, these dedicated apps too, they're a different experience than the desktop experience. So I think that's pretty cool too. Cool. You know, they they have their own thing going on. All right. So moving right along, we've got number five. Yes. Social conversion is coming. So social is going to be getting much better at actually converting prospects directly into buyers. Mm -hmm. I think we're seeing this again, you know, very, very frequently now. And I think this is just going to get stronger. So a little bit of what we were talking about with Muya, right? Mm -hmm. From the standpoint that because it's it's using the app, then promoting it through your social networks and just kind of driving the brand out there and then converting and creating new customer opportunities as a result. I definitely see that coming. What about number six? All right. So the search algorithm will change and change again. This is something that just keeps changing Mm. and updating as people are searching for new things. And, um, you know, the new keyword searches that are changing will start to be more popular and pop up in the searches as, as you know, things are always changing in this area. So um, the popular search terms as they update will update the level of priority that they the search terms are popping up. Absolutely. Well, search engine optimization, which we've talked about in the past, is especially as it relates to the development of websites and uh, and obviously the search engine optimization that you get by having a presence on the social networks continues to be, you know, real key from the standpoint that uh, that typically the first step in any buying purchase these days is doing a search. So whether you're going to Google or you're going to Bing or you're going to any other sort of web browser and you're looking you know, for a specific search term, that's where the process starts. Right? Yeah. Um, and going to get that information. Now, the thing is that Google and I think all the search engines are continuously tinkering with the algorithm. And so for a while there, I think keywords were the big thing. So, that, you know, people were loading up their websites and their pages with keywords. And then they said it had to be something to do with the content itself matching. Uh, and the thing is, I think there's... Groups and organizations and individuals that are like 
consistently trying to game it, you know, like find a way to understand exactly what that algorithm is so that they can position their website to, you know, provide their customers and clients with the information so that when people do the search that they're going to pop up in that first screen uh, because first screen placement is key. Yeah, this is so huge, too, because how often do you ever go to the second page of <laughs> the search results side when right. you search for something? I mean, yeah. I never do. If it's not within the top five articles, then I move on. Yeah. I try a different search word. That's why the old joke with Google is, how you know, how, where, where do you bury a body? You bury it on the second page of a Google <laughs> search because no one's ever going to find it. So, yeah. you know, and, that, and that's going to be true. And then you go back to what we had talked about before is, even more important than the algorithm is the fact that that preferential treatment from mobile. So you have to start thinking about how people are doing the search. Yeah. Right? So whether it's from a desktop, a mobile device, and I think one of the areas, and I'm not sure if it's covered in R12, I don't think it is, but one of the other areas as far as digital trends is concerned is voice-activated search. Yeah. Uh, so whether you're using Siri or Alexa or any one of these where you actually say, find me this, I think that could have different results as well. Yeah, that's a good call. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen much of that, but I think that will start to be huge probably towards the end of the year. All right, so we're at the halfway point, so let's go on to number seven. All right, so this one seems pretty obvious too, but online advertising will just become more expensive because it's proving its value right now. So I think the more that online advertising reaches bigger audiences, the more we're going to be paying for it, and that's just the the way it's moving. Mm-hmm. I, I would agree, you know, from the standpoint that it's where the audiences are, you know, so what I think has really helped the social networks and why they've done so well in advertising, especially Facebook, is because Facebook's focus has been to build an audience, to build basically uh, a collection of people and these people who are freely letting you know or letting the network know their likes and their dislikes and their demographic information. And so if you have never done any sort of Facebook advertising, and even if you went in there pretending to do an ad, you will be blown away by the minutia, you know, and how you can narrow your focus Hyper down. Hyper-target. And they will tell you how many people are in that audience and then how much would be a recommended cost per click or cost per impression. Um, and it is just amazing how they can really do this laser-focused advertising to the exact audience that you're looking to attract. You contrast that to the spend in a newspaper or a magazine or a more traditional marketing medium, which is more of a shotgun approach as opposed to the laser, and you start weighing which one you think is going to be more effective, and definitively the laser focus is going to be more effective because you can market to a specific niche or to specific persona. And so I think that as these networks get richer and this big data makes it easier for you to get to that buyer, you're going to pay a premium for it. Yeah, it's way more effective and you can you can track your results so much better. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and it's crazy. I know a few people that are still a little bit scared of this. Like, how did it know I wanted this? But I think it's pretty awesome. I've personally purchased some things myself from Facebook ads that were hyper-targeted to me. And I feel like half of our office has too, you know, uh-huh. it's kind of scary at first. Like, how did they know I was looking at those shoes? <laughs> but at the end of the day, it saves you time and it reminds you like, oh yeah, I needed to buy some new shoes. So, yeah. okay. Cool. I would say most people don't mind. I remember when this first started happening, um, you know, my, my wife Kim brought it up to my attention and she's like, you know, it's it's only popping up stuff that like I've already looked for mm-hmm. or so. And I said, well, does that bother you? And she's like, no, I mean, far better for it be to something that I might actually buy versus something yeah. that I would never even think about buying. So, yeah, I feel the same. Yeah. This next one I really like. So tell us a little bit about number eight. 
Ah, okay, yeah, this has been popping up over and over again, Mm -hmm. but unique, high-quality content will be huge. Mm. Everyone really wants to not waste their time. They want to read the content that resonates with them, that brings them value, and I think that even freelance-specified writers are going to be in high demand this coming year just because of this reason. To get the value, you need to get people reading your content, and the only way they're going to want to read it is if they personally feel like they gain something from it. So this sounds what it's saying is really like quality is going to be more important than quantity Absolutely. when it comes to content, right? Yeah. Because that's one of the things is that digital and social certainly makes it easy for you to produce a lot of content quickly and often. You know, so we go back to the uh, number two with more live video. The fact that people are going to be able to do live streaming means we're probably going to see a whole lot more live streaming. But with that, the production values are probably not going to be all that great because you yeah. you're going to be either using your camera on your phone or some sort of webcam, but it's not going to be like those high-end yeah. commercial cameras, right? And it's unlikely to be in a studio setting, so the lighting isn't going to be all that great. So I think what number eight is really talking about is that focusing on the quality. Let's create a quality piece of content. Right, with and some production out values yeah. from all that noise, because mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of noise out there. So the quality content really is going to be special. And I have to imagine that that probably will play into a little bit too on the algorithm fa- standpoint. That if you create this quality content, you get a lot of eyeballs on it. You're probably going to get even more eyeballs or get better preferential uh, algorithmic treatment from the search engines. Yeah. Interesting. Well, we hope to be creating high quality. <laughs> I like to think that this show is high quality. This is content. the highest yeah. of quality. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. So number nine. Conversion rate optimization to offer high ROI. We've been hearing ROI over and over and over again because people are ready to start seeing that their money is making them money. Mm -hmm. And in this case, I think it's just going to really help track user behavior on your site or, you know, your sites if you have multiple of them um, and really identify elements that are producing the highest number of conversions. Mm -hmm. Um, This really just speaks for itself, but I think people really want to know what sort of value they're providing and they want to hear from their customers. So this is going to be big for that. I mean, I think this is huge because this is typically the first question that people get when they're, um, you know, identifying or at least trying to determine whether or not a social strategy or a digital strategy makes sense. The first question off everybody's lips is what's the ROI on it. And so I think that creating, you know, tools that will help answer that question quicker and getting more intelligence from that big data will make it a lot easier for people to sell it, you know, or to understand the value that comes with it. So um, I'm hoping that this will continue to grow just because I think it helps the entire industry out. Yeah. All right. Numero 10. Okay. So this one is growth hacking will continue to evolve. And I think this basically talks about how we were saying with the YouTube ads, you have five seconds to grab your audience. It's really about grabbing people within those first few minutes to really get them interested in your brand mm-hmm. and how people are going to do that. I think people will be using more and more creative methods. So mm-hmm. we'll see how how people are successfully growing their businesses in mm-hmm. this coming year with the new mediums. Well, talking about you know attention grabs and such, especially on social media channels and, as you said, viral marketing and these different organic ads, um, I think it's interesting how I've noticed in the last couple of years how much more humor there is in the ads. Yeah. That they're looking to entertain uh, even more so than to inform. Yeah. And, and I think the best example I can think of this is Geico. Yeah. And if you watch a lot of these guys, you don't even know it's a Geico ad until the very end. 
That's a huge piece of it that I was going to say too. A lot of the times, a lot of times, the most successful advertising isn't even about the brand. Mm -hmm. It's just something relatable that people want to, you know, see more of that I think draws people to a brand because they're like, Hey, that person's just like me or that was really funny. I feel like whoever's behind that brand is similar to me and it makes me want to use that brand. Yeah. And then the other, especially in the insurance space, I'd say more in the PNC, um, one of the things that we've been tracking and taking a look at is how much of it is built around what they call mascots. Yeah. So you think of like flow from progressive, uh, yeah, mayhem, right? Yeah. And is that all stay, yeah. all stayed yep. on mayhem? So you different campaigns kind of built around specific personalities and, uh, individuals. So, um, oh, and the little Geico, the gecko, which is yeah. one of my favorites with the English yeah. accent. I mean, it's like who really sat down and thought about like, Hey, let's try to sell <laughs> car insurance through a Geico or a gecko, I'm sorry, who has a British accent. You know, I just think it's funny. I would love to know where that gecko came from, from because <laughs> I feel like they must have been confused for gecko for a long time or something. There's got to be a good story. Behind yeah, that's probably somebody probably said we need better gecko ads and somebody heard gecko ads. Yeah, and gecko, something like that. <laughs> and then it stuck. All right. So we're rounding and we're on the home stretch here. Number 11. Yep. 11 is just about using the big data that's coming our way kind of rounds around the things we've been saying, but basically just to help personalize the customer experience and your marketing and one-to-one marketing will slowly become more prevalent as Mm -hmm. brands really weigh opportunity and cost and find ways to introduce it into their messaging. This will be huge, but something we've talked a little bit about already. I I see that a little bit already happening from the standpoint that if you, if you track some of the Twitter pages, especially on the Twitter sites, um, as well as Facebook pages, is that ability that one of the things that people really love about social media, and I think that this is part of the reason why it's gotten so popular, is because it does allow f- for the scalability of the one-to-many communication, but it also provides that opportunity for the one-on-one mm-hmm. if necessary. So if I post a piece of content, I'm obviously posting it to my Facebook page or to Twitter to all the followers or to all the people that are connected on the newsfeed. Um, however, if someone responds then... Right or, or either responds, replies through Twitter or comments on Facebook. Now we take in this mass digital content share and now drilled it down to a personal conversation. Yeah. Uh, because people do have that avenue for that two-way you know, conversation. I mean, when was the last time you saw a television ad and you were able to talk back to the ad? Same thing with the radio. Right? Yeah. That's where social comes in. It's, it's actually an invitation for dialogue. So I think where brands are going to get smart is using this big data, using this information to tell you a little bit more about the personas of the audiences that you're looking to attract so that if you have a choice in saying, I've got these three pieces of content to share, which piece is likely going to resonate the most with the audience that's listening? Yeah. Right. And then selecting from that. So I think we're going to get a lot smarter about this. And uh, so it's an exciting development that I only see is going to continue to grow. Yeah. All right. So the last one, number 12. Yes. So the last one is not new but native advertising. And the reason it's on here is because even though it's an old method, it's not going away and it's Mm. getting stronger. So I think it's just important that people don't throw this behind them and that they remember to keep trying to keep their advertisements, you know, as specific as possible. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think the other part here that we talk about and you listed here is that one of the reasons why it could gain prominence in 2017 is because of the diminishing penetration of many ads mm-hmm. you know from the standpoint that now there are systems for people to have ad blockers um you know declining the banner ads yeah. and so there are technological ways to block the message 
Um, if you go back to a more traditional, you cannot block a magazine advertisement other than flipping the page, right? Yep. Or like I was talking before, theater advertising. You're sitting in, in a room with a screen, you know, that is three stories high or, you know, the huge screen in front yeah. of you. It's hard for you to avoid and ignore. Uh, there is no ad blocker for, you know, yeah. on-screen advertising other than closing your eyes. So I, I can see this, you know, the native advertising. I think the people are going to get more creative, yeah. you know, and building these things out as campaigns. And I've seen some really creative campaigns which are built, let's say, on seeing one ad that leads to the next ad and what have you. Um, one of my favorite native advertisings, I'll tell you, is Absolute Vodka. Oh. Where they used to have all these different artists to kind of reinterpret the bottle yeah. or embed the bottle through their art, through their own interpretation. I mean, some of these pieces were, were really nice. I mean, the types that you would say if it was an art piece, you'd hang it up on your wall. Yeah. And so I think, you know, it goes back to the creativity of the different organizations to get their message across to their audiences and needing to find a creative way to do that. So those are um, the 12 digital marketing trends. Thank you, Brittany, for sharing those with us. Thanks for having me. And what we're going to do is, between now and the tail end of the podcast, we are going to walk around and ask our own Hearsay Systems employees from a global standpoint uh, what they think are going to be some of the 2017 marketing trends to look out for. And we hope you enjoy what they have to share. I'm really curious about what they're going to say. Yeah. Um, and so with that, we will turn our attentions to our folks here at Hearsay. So let's see what they had to say. All right. So one of the uh, benefits of CKO, SKO, is the fact that we bring together our entire global team at Hearsay together. And so we were talking about the 12 digital marketing trends, but I'm curious, can you share with us your observations about what you're seeing in Europe? Yeah, thank you, Victor. I think from the consumer perspective, digital trends are becoming more global. Mm -hmm. So I think any, any, any trend going in America is also happening in Europe. I mean, always people are also going more to video, for example. Their Snapchat is increasing. So all these trends, I think they are very general. What I see different from the European perspective is how companies are starting to deal with technology. Europe tends to be more conservative regarding data protection, regarding moving to the cloud and all these things. But I'm starting to see that these companies have finally starting to get that if they're, if they're not more aggressive, how they're moving to new technologies, they're really missing part of the game. So these companies, especially in our industry and financial services, are starting to, to think about moving out of their traditional setup, which would be having homegrown technologies and developing everything in-house. So they're finally starting to move to the cloud, thinking about moving to the cloud, thinking, making a lot of our peace in, in, in going marketing technologies. And this is like shifting the mindset. They're starting to think, okay, how, how my technology stack could look like? Uh, how can I go with global vendors, European vendors? American vendors. So all this all this dynamic, I think, is starting to, to move forward a lot, uh, which is, I think, a great opportunity for any company in technology space, but also for company companies in Europe that are really tr willing to go in the train of digitalization and really step in and, 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 and give full full power and in the transition, the transformation. That's, that's what I'm seeing in Europe. All right. Thank you. That's good. Hi, I'm Sonny Schelke. I am a solutions consultant, and I, I um, primarily help our customers understand 
how to use our technology and the practical applications of applying our technology to their problems. Okay, so great. So can you share with us your own observations of what you think are some of the marketing trends we'll see this year? Yeah, so I definitely think that high quality, unique content is going to be a trend that we see quite a bit. Um, we uh, see that being authentic matters in our meetings mm -hmm. and that authenticity is translating into content that we see on social media um, and across digital in general. And that content, when it is authentic, uh, comes across as value added for our consumers. And consumers don't have a lot of time, and they want content that's gonna be impactful for them. So I, I see that unique value added content as being a big trend for the uh, next year. Uh, yeah, this is Connor in New York Sales. Um, I think video is gonna be really big this year. Um, we see more and more people as they go digital, they wanna have uh, a video presence, We're seeing a lot more commercials being mm -hmm. put online. Uh, so I think in 2017, video is going to be probably the big, uh, big mover. Thanks, Victor. Deglin McEachern from Sales Hearsay. I'm going to take probably the easiest answer and say mobile is going to continue to dominate uh, in most ways, in ways that we're not yet fully aware of um, in terms of locational services, but also in terms of productivity for advisors and reaching clients. Uh, I think this is something that we are seeing a fair bit of focus on, but in 2017, the comfort level with most advisors and mobile has increased to a point where the expectation of products in this area really has to, to raise its game. And I think it is and it will continue to do so. Okay, hi, yeah, my name is uh, Luca Warshaw. I work out of the London office in our customer success team. Um, I work with a lot of uh, asset management companies. So um, companies such as Aberdeen Asset Management, for instance, uh, they're one of our biggest customers. They've been with us for over two years now. And uh, the trend that we're seeing with them is definitely a move towards uh, mobile integration. So. One way that they're trying to get uh, their uh, sales team to, to use social is notably through mobile. And there's a tendency with um, asset management sales team to be a bit reluctant to be on mobile and to be on social media in general. Um, so the idea behind it is that uh, we want them to be um, leveraging uh, LinkedIn notably um, through mobile. And our mobile app helps them do that. Um, and I think that's the trend for 2017, that's the way we're going to push for adoption across the sales team at Aberdeen, is by getting them on mobile first, even before desktop. So wow. that's the idea behind that. All right, well, yeah. thank you. Thank you. <laughs>
What do you think? Yeah, I would love to hear from you guys. So if we missed anything or uh, you just want to add your comments, feel free to write us. But uh, before we close out the show, and this is something we hadn't done in a while, but that's because we hadn't had someone uh, on the show and we hadn't done like an employee spotlight in a while. But I have a couple questions for Brittany, and this was uh, something that we traditionally would do anytime we had uh, one of our employees on the show. And they were the questions that we typically ask new employees when they join. They used to be the traditional three questions, and we have new three questions. So I'm actually going to ask you all six. All right. All right, because you've been here for a while. And so the first one, if those of you might recall, this is the easy one. What's your favorite color? Blue. Blue, and you're wearing blue. I love, (laughs) this always happens. I love it when people are wearing. This is actually kind of a funny thing. I feel like I have a story behind each of these, so if you made it this long, I'll try to not bore you, but I realized recently all of my best friends and my boyfriend, everyone was like, everything you own is blue, and I started looking around my room. I'm like, my backpack's blue. My shoes are blue. Everything's blue, so I didn't even really know. Like, I always like the color blue, but I really like blue. That's a good color on you. It matches your eyes, too. Thanks. Yeah. All right, your favorite movie? Uh, my favorite movie. I love this old school movie called Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken because I'm a huge horse lover. And uh, it's like this old time movie from um, the East Coast back on, you know, the kind of like boardwalk days. And this girl would hmm. ride horses into the water, like diving horses. Whoa. And then she actually went blind from it and like comes back and she does it blind. And she's like the showgirl. And it's just, it's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> When did Old that school. when did that come out? You know, I don't know, but over 25 years ago cuz I was it, I was really into it as a little kid. And uh, then my mom actually did this awesome thing for Christmas a few years ago where she bought me and my brother our favorite childhood movies remastered. Uh, so, <laughs> you can get it remastered now, but <laughs> What was his favorite movie? Do you remember? Uh, it, I think it was Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure or something. <laughs> <laughs> Completely different. Yeah, right, and we yeah. watched it and we were so weirded out that we liked it back then cuz so, it's such a creepy movie. It is a creepy movie. <laughs> yeah. But you did learn there's no basement in the Alamo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, spirit animal. Spirit animal is a horse. They're oh, okay. herd animals, but they're strong and independent, and sure. I just love them. So. All right. Yeah. So I, I think I probably could have guessed that one. Okay, so some of the new questions is um, favorite book. Favorite book. I like a lot of realistic type books, so I really liked Outliers. Mm. And then actually we do a little book club thing here where people just pass on books, and Elise gave me a book, um, The Potato Peel Society of... Gersey Island or something and it's really cleverly written in these letters to all these different people and you have to piece together the story mm-hmm. and it was pretty cool that's cool yeah how about your first concert I'm gonna have to say my mom took us to Billy Joel and oh. Elton John but Whoa. we didn't have tickets so huh? we were outside the gate listening as little kids <laughs> <laughs> so I count that <laughs> okay all right well I mean good choice yeah right? yeah where was that was that it was here? in Iowa actually it was in Iowa. my okay. mom's from Iowa so we went out to visit my uncle and my aunt and she, my aunt works security so she was gonna try to like smuggle us all in <laughs> but we couldn't get in so we ended up like buying the counterfeit t-shirts and being outside the fence <laughs> <laughs> So you were kind of there, right? Yeah. All yeah. right. Well, that's a good first show. Yeah. Both of them, Billy Joel and yeah, Elton John. Yeah, and we could hear everything. We just couldn't see, but uh, that's fine. Well, it's like you two used to say, it doesn't matter how close you are to the artists. What matters is how close you are to the music. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That's okay. good. Um, first job. <laughs> so I don't know if this means like first real job or... Paying, like first paid job. Because, you know, we like babysitting and yeah, newspaper yeah, yeah. delivery. I'm saying... Okay, like, yeah. I, I did um, pizzas at Papa Murphy's. 
Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you still eat pizza? Do you still like pizza? Oh, pizza's my favorite food. Oh, okay, yeah. good, good. But I, it, I've quit to try out for the basketball team, which is funny if you know me now, because I, lo- I love sports and I'm athletic, but basketball is not my thing. Mm. So I tried back then. Mm. You know, pizza is uh, Friday. Friday we got pizza. At work? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pizza I've been Friday. Yeah, I've been having pizza like three times a week lately. <laughs> I love pizza. <laughs> All right. And then the last one, this is not one that we typically oh, yeah. ask, but yeah. I'm asking because this is how we're going to play out the show. Oh, okay. Is if you wouldn't mind sharing us one of your favorite songs. Okay. So this is hard for me because I love music and I'm constantly going to shows, but I'd say lately I really love this song by Louis Del Mar called Masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And when Joyce and I went to Iceland on a camping trip, basically, we only downloaded maybe five songs, and this was one of them. So as we were driving across country, the song played on loop, and now it just reminds me of beautiful Iceland. So. It became the soundtrack of Iceland. Yeah. Joyce, right? Yeah. Outstanding. So we're going to play out the show now with Masterpiece. Uh, and thank you, Brittany, for joining me on the show today and sharing the digital trends that you see in 2017. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, so once again, share your thoughts on Twitter using hashtag HSOnAir. My name is Victor Gaxiola, and we'll see you next time.
This has been a Hearsay Social production, recorded in our state-of-the-art recording studios in San Francisco, California, the Great Golden State, seated at the watery edge of the majestic Pacific Ocean. We'd like to take this brief moment in the vast expanse of time to thank you, our listeners, for lending us your ears. For we understand that your time is precious. Like the most delicately crafted pearl cradled at the bottom of the sea. Truly, we hope to our most inner heart and soul that you'll consider joining us for next week's episode. But until then, Godspeed. And follow us on Twitter 